Good morning. How are you guys doing? You ready? Yeah? Got tissues? I, I, I'm going to share stories. I'm just kidding. Well, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. See how it goes. I'm glad to be here uh, this morning. What an honor anytime it is to uh, be on this stage and to speak um, about royal family and about just a challenge for you, for your life. Um, it's always a, a blessing for me and an honor. I don't ever take this lightly. I prepare, I pray, I, uh, and when I get up here, I hope everything comes out okay <laughs> after I do it. So uh, I hope, uh, I hope uh, this lands on hearts that are ready to receive, and before we get into it, I just want to pray, because I know I need it. So, Lord, right now we, uh, we thank you for the opportunity to come alongside you and just to be a part of what you're doing. Lord, we don't ever take it lightly to be a part of what it is you're doing on this earth. Lord, what an honor it is and a privilege. And Lord, today I just, I just ask that you fill my mouth up, that this would be all of you, none of me, and that you would speak through me, and that, Lord, you would touch hearts today and challenge them and move upon them. And I want you to all repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart change my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Today, uh, this morning, we're going to, uh, I entitled this message, Mission Possible. Mission Possible. How many of you have seen the Mission Impossible movies? Any other, anybody ever see those movies? At the end of the movie, you found out it was possible, right? They never end the movie with, well, that didn't work out. It truly was impossible. It just didn't happen. Everyone died. That's, uh, <laughs> they don't end the movies that way. They always end the movies with, it, it, it was possible. It was hard, but it was possible, right? How many of you know the famous line from Mission Impossible? Like when they get the box that's going to self-destruct? What is it? it? This is your mission if you choose to accept it, Right? This is the mission if you choose to accept it. Well, Jesus gave us a mission if you choose to accept it. The reality of our mission is, apart from him, it is impossible. We can't do the things only he can do. We have our part, but if he's not involved, our part falls short. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus gave us this mission. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. And he gave us a promise. As you do this, I will be with you. Because if he wasn't with us, we couldn't do the first step. Like, in order to become a disciple, what's the first step? You got to get what? Saved. You got to become a disciple. That's the first step in being a disciple. Without that, you're not teaching anybody how to be a disciple. There's the first great step is I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus. 
And we can't make that happen. We can share our testimony. We can preach the gospel and share what Jesus has done for them and us and how he went to the cross and died. And we can share the gospel and the good news and our testimony. But if God isn't with us and God doesn't get involved with that, they're going to go, that's a nice story. I can't convince someone to be saved. Because if I can convince you to be saved, then someone can convince you not to be saved. Right? There's an encounter that has to happen. There is something that has to take place that only God can do. That's why I said it's impossible to make a disciple apart from him. He's got to get involved. He's the only one that can change a heart. Paul said it this way, some plant, some water, but God brings the increase. Only God can bring the increase. So apart from him, this mission that God gave us it is impossible apart from him, but with him, totally possible. In fact, Jesus had this encounter in Luke 18. He said, once a religious leader asked Jesus this question. Get it? This is a religious leader. Okay? He asked this question, good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, why do you call me good teacher? Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father, father and mother. And the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. That's pretty good. I look at that list and said, I didn't do any of those when I was young. There was one of these commandments that I thought I never did. And I was like, I've never stolen anything. And then the Lord reminded me, hey, remember when you worked at KFC and you'd grab a chicken strip off the line and eat it? You didn't get permission to do that. Man, thought I had that one. <laughs> I didn't honor my father and mother. The Bible says if you lust after a woman, you've committed adultery in your heart. Obviously, I fell short on that one. And for this man to say, I've obeyed all these since I was young, I would, be, I would go, man, that's pretty good. That is good. Because most of you in this room go, nope, I did it. That's pretty good. So, when Jesus heard his answer, he said, ha, there's still one thing you haven't done. He says, sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw this, he said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for the rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Of course, everyone around them said, then who in the world can be saved? Think about this. Jesus is saying, you lack one thing. What is that? I don't have your heart. Your money has your heart. I don't have it. Get rid of everything you have and follow me. Let me have your heart. And the man walked away sad because he knew he couldn't do it. And Jesus makes a profound statement. He says, it is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. You get the biggest needle you can find. 
one of those leather needles or something and try to fit a camel through it. He said, it's easier to do that than for a rich person to be saved. So everyone's going, oh man, who then can be saved? Because in their tradition, in their mind, is if you're rich, obviously you got an end with God. You are blessed, right? No, God didn't have his heart. So Jesus replied with this in verse 27. What is impossible for people is possible with God. Don't count them out. I can't do it, but with God, it's totally possible. And that goes for everybody. That goes for everybody. It's impossible to come to know God apart from Him. He wants to know you. And He works every, He does everything. He draws you, He works on you. And it's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves. We have our part. Don't get me wrong. But God has to do it. It is a mission impossible apart from him. But with God, it's totally possible. Our human efforts, it'll be impossible. You know, Mark said, like part of the Great Commission that's laid out in Mark is, he said to heal the sick and cast out demons. That is a mission impossible apart from him. He's the only one that can do those things. If you're sick, you come, to, you come to God. He can heal you. If you got demonic oppression, you come to God. He can set you free. So what does that have to do with what I do? My main ministry here is called For the Children, and I run camps for Royal Family Kids Camp and mentoring clubs. What we do for kids is... We take kids that have been abused, abandoned, neglected, cast off by society. We take those kids, and we, we give them a week-long camp, and we bless them. We let them know they have value. We show them something different. Many of our kids come out of the foster care system. And when you look at the foster care system... It can, be an, it can look like an overwhelming, impossible mission. But I'm telling you, with God, it's possible. On any given day in our county, there are over 200 kids in foster care. Over 200 kids just in our county. And per capita, that makes it a huge number. Like, compared to how many kids we have... So our, our, our standing is huge. And we have very little homes. Very little homes. Last I heard, there's only 30 licensed foster homes in Citrus County to take care of 200-plus kids. That's overwhelming. But, you know, that's, that's small compared to a place like Cook County. Cook County in Illinois... You're kind of in that area, right? That's a suburb of Chicago. And I went to their CASA website, which would be their guardian alitum. 
If you don't know who they are, you should look them up. They're a great organization. They're doing cool stuff with, for kids. But they said they got 5,600 kids that they're taking care of. That's in their system, in their foster care system. That's huge for one county. Now, I get it. Chicago, they got a lot more kids in their area. But 5,600. Florida overall, uh, the latest statistic I saw as I was looking things up, 19,000 kids in foster care in Florida. 19,000. Man is trying to solve this apart from God. That's why all these government organizations are doing this. They're trying to solve the situation apart from God. And they're struggling. They are struggling. No real change is going to happen without God. But when God is with you, change can take place. At camp, we see God do amazing things with one week for these kids. We see God do amazing th things. And the kids and staff alike. I want to read a testimony from a counselor from this past year. She said this, At training, you asked us to come and knowing that we may never gain anything in return for this week. You said... If we, want, if we went all in, we would leave a piece of our hearts behind. So true. But I was surprised to find parts of my heart I thought I'd lost. God answered some of my heartfelt years-long prayers. He also gave me back parts of my life that the enemy has stolen. In short, it was a week of redemption. To give a detailed example, I have struggled with pretty aggressive OCD since I was around 13. At, at 15 years old, it was at its worst. I've always loved kids, but, this, but that year I became consumed with fear that I may potentially, potentially that I may accidentally cause harm. I submitted to the fear and tried to avoid any potentially dangerous situations. God has healed me so much but there was still a remnant of fear in my heart. Caring for two girls all week brought me confidence. I was able to view myself as a capable safekeeper. Not only this, but these kiddos have been through more than the average child, and God used all of us to meet their needs and take care of them. God used me. It all came full circle with the butterfly release. I got to release my fear of being a bad future mom. It was a very special moment. I'm tempting to wait until I feel fearless to do what I know I'm called to do. All week, though, I kept thinking of the phrase from training. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. A week of redemption. I went from fearing about some things to getting set free. I had fear of I would be a bad future mom to where I could let that go. She was great. In fact, her, her kid comes to mentoring once a month with us. And at that first mentoring club, her caregiver told me she cried for a week missing her counselor. 
And then the next month that when she came, she goes, I found this letter in her playroom. And it says, I miss my counselor from Royal Family Kids Camp. She was the best. I miss her. If I ever see her again, I will give her a hug. She wrote this out for her counselor. In fact, she, she had such a connection in her Dear God letter that she wrote. She talked about how much she loved her counselor. In fact, so much so, she, she said, I, I want to come back and be a counselor too. That was her prayer. And she goes, and God, please make my wish come true. May she be my counselor next year. That's the connection she made for this little girl. Maybe you don't feel the calling to have kids come into your home. So that's a calling. Not everyone can do it. I get it. But could you connect with a girl like this one for one week? Could you do that? Could you throw a ball to a boy that desperately needs a father in their lives for one week? I've been reading this book called uh, The Legacy of Hope. And there's stories from all sorts of different counselors and camp directors and kids in it. And, and there is this one story of a boy named Dustin. This, uh, this director has been working on his friend named Jeff to come to camp for like four years. And during that fourth year, he finally said, yes, I'm going to come to camp. And, and Jeff thought he knew kind of the ins and outs. I mean, he's been hearing his best friend talk about it for four years. He thought, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get how camp goes. I, I get it. As the bus pulled up and he, uh, he met Dustin for the first time, he knelt down, he introduced himself. Hey, I'm Jeff. And he started talking about the different activities and things as he's just trying to get to know Dustin. And, and the first question out of Dustin's mouth wasn't, hey, what are we going to do next? It wasn't a question about camp. The first question that came out of Dustin's mouth was, can I call you dad? Can I call you dad this week? And Jeff was like, uh, looked at the, at the director and he's like... <laughs> And for one whole week, Dustin would hold his hand. And every time he met someone on the sidewalk, in the dorm, in the cafeteria, he would go, this is my dad. And he would introduce him as dad. And for one week, Jeff got to be a dad to this little boy. To be a father figure. One week, he gave him something that this boy desperately cried out for. One week. And as they wrapped up for that week and Dustin gave them back to his mom, he looked at the director and said, okay, I get it now. <laughs> I thought I knew, but now I know. There's another story about a boy named Charlie. And Charlie... Uh, <clears throat> 
was wearing this uh, sweatsuit, like he had a sweatshirt and blue sweatpants on, and, and the director tried to sit next to him on the bus, and he was trying to strike up conversation, get to know the kid a little bit, and as they were pulling up to the camp, and everyone was holding up their signs that had their name on it and a scripture, Charlie never made eye contact with the director, never really said anything, except when he saw the signs, he said, I bet they won't have one for me. I didn't even know I was coming until this morning. But when Charlie got off the bus, he saw his counselor with the sign, with his name, and his face lit up. They did expect me to come. They did expect me to come. But there was that suit. I mean, the, his camp was at the end of, of the summer, so it was the hottest part of the summer, and, and he was wearing this, this sweatsuit all week long. He wouldn't take it off. And this particular camp did a polar swim, and they had a counselor there named Jim, and he, had, he was an amputee. And he had one of those incredible prosthetics that you could run in and jump in and, and do all sorts of fun stuff. And he would race kids, and kids would challenge him, hey, can you jump and touch that branch? And he would do it. The guy was amazing. But at the polar swim, that was, that was like before breakfast. They'd wake up all the kids and say, all right, we're going out to the pool. And they would throw ice in the pool and, be, and tell some kind of story about polar bears came and swam last night or something. And, uh, and they would just make it a fun moment, and all the kids would jump in and swim for a little bit before breakfast. And, and Jim walked up to the pool and stuck his prosthetic leg in there and dipped his toe in there, and he's like, whoo, that's cold. <laughs> and Charlie saw that and stepped forward a little bit because he wasn't going to get in the pool. And he said, hey, you can't feel that. And then it dawned on him that, you know, if Jim can be okay and have fun with his wounds, maybe I can be okay with mine too. And so he took off his sweatshirt and his sweatpants, revealing that he had swimming trunks underneath them, and also revealing all the cigarette burns on his legs and on his back and the abuse that he has been taking and all the scars that he was embarrassed about. But it was that moment that he changed his perspective and some healing came into his life. Could you do that for a boy for one week? It's not impossible when you break it down to the Charlies and the little girls and, and the Dustins. They go, you know what, I could do that for one. I could do that for one. You know what camp is? Jacob uh, Roebuck said this. He's the guy that directed the camp movie, if you've ever seen it. It's about royal family. He said, camp is God using ordinary people to do an extraordinary work in the lives of children whom the world has pushed aside and the enemy has targeted. I was like, that's a good definition of camp. Camp is God using ordinary people to do an extraordinary work in the lives of children whom the world has pushed aside and the enemy has targeted. That's what camp is. And I'm going to tell you, we are anointed for this. 
Luke 4, 17 through 21. This is Jesus after he just got baptized and the Holy Spirit ascended on him. He just got out of the wilderness after being tempted for 40 days. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The same Holy Spirit that came on Jesus is the same Holy Spirit that's upon us. He has anointed us to do the work that Jesus came to do. And did you notice everything Jesus said he was anointed to do was for the people around him? And this is the anointing on us today. I feel like as I go into the next year of camp, this is the scripture I'm taking with me. We are anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. The gospel, the good news that Jesus came and died and that we have value in his sight. You don't get any more poor than a kid that has everything he owns in a trash bag. Foster kids go from home to home carrying everything they own in a bag like this. Everything. We have kids that came to camp last year. The first year we did camp, they had absolutely nothing. You don't get any poorer than that. And the hope that we get to bring to them is to let them know that Jesus loves you enough that he died for you and you do have value. Even if you're the richest person in this room, if you don't have Jesus, you're absolutely poor because the day you stand before him, you'll have nothing to say or nothing to offer. You are poor. The only thing that, that will let us into the kingdom of God, if he ever asked us, why should I let you into the kingdom of God, is because of what he did on the cross. We have nothing to give. That's the good news. The good news is, kids, it's temporary, but there's an eternal life that you can have now through the cross of Jesus Christ. We give them hope. We give them good news. It says to heal the brokenhearted. Do you know how much healing comes from a week of unconditional love? How much healing comes to a brokenhearted kid when there's a bunch of people that says we love you, we value you, oh, the, the heart begins to heal. A week of hope, love, and safety does a lot for a kid. Yeah. I don't know what your broken heart situation is, but I know a Jesus that can mend that. It says to proclaim liberty to the captives. These kids are more captive in ways than you can't even imagine. They don't even have control of who they're living with. Maybe for you, they're, maybe for you, you're captive by sin. 
Jesus came to set us free. And I am convinced of this. That even if you're in a prison cell, if you have Jesus, you can be totally free. I think of Paul and Silas who was worshiping as they were sitting in the inner chambers of a prison cell in stocks. And as they were just worshiping, you know what? Paul and Silas was way more free than the prison guard who was running the thing. Because when the earthquake came and he thought everyone was leaving, his only hope was, well, I might as well just kill myself. Paul and Silas, whoa, don't do that. Paul and Silas was way more free than the guy running the prison. And they were the ones in jail. Set liberty to the captives to bring recovery of sight to the blind. A week of camp opens these kids' eyes to possibilities in their life that they never thought they could attain. When they see a grandma and grandpa that's been married for 50 years, they can see that and go, well, if they can do it, maybe I can. Or an aunt and uncle that's been married for 20 years, and they're not weird. <laughs> right? They can see some normalcy. But more than that, being told they are valued, being just told they're good at something, can change a kid's life. One of the vice presidents, he's no longer vice president, but Glenn Gavin, I read a story about one of the things that changed his life was one day as a 12-year-old boy, he was riding his bike, his chain came off, and there was this engineer guy that painted his house every year and everything was pristine. You know, the type that perfect garage floor, the tools all had on the cork board, you know, with the shape, like everything just so-so. He's like, do you need help? Come on in. And he taught him how to change his bike. And, and as he was tightening a lug nut on his bike, the guy just said, you do that well. And Glenn said, that was the first time in my life anyone said I did anything well. And it changed my perspective. Just telling a kid, you're doing that good. You're great at that. You're not worthless. You do have value. It opens their eyes to the possibilities. I don't have to be a statistic. I can be a success story. Maybe today you're blind in so many ways. Why don't you let God remove the blinders so that you can see some possibilities in your life? Then it says to set at liberty those who are oppressed. This word also can mean downtrodden. You know, there's two different kinds of oppression. Yes, there's oppression from the devil. But there's oppression from life. Life stinks sometimes. And it's hard. And for these kids, it stinks and it's hard. Getting ripped out of your home, that's hard. Getting set up with strangers and saying, hey, that's your mom and dad now. That's hard. They're oppressed and downtrodden by life, but tell you what, Jesus says, I come to set people free. I can't tell those kids. I can't tell those kids, hey, if Jesus comes to your life, all this is going to go away because it's not. But I can tell them this, if Jesus lives in you, you can have peace through it. He can even give you joy through it and, and hope to look into the future knowing that this is going to be a temporary situation in my life. Because one day these kids are going to grow up. 
They're going to become 18, and they're going to be adults. It's just momentary for them. But if they can get a hold of what Jesus offers, at that age, when they turn 18, they'll have the whole world ahead of them. You are anointed to bring this message to everyone around you. So my question to you is this, what are you doing with your anointing? What are you doing with your anointing? Who are you bringing the gospel to? What captives are you setting free? What blind eyes are you opening? What are you doing with your anointing? Is it going to your neighbors? How about a camp for one week? July 21st through the 26th. Use the anointing to affect change in a kid's life. If you go to Royal Fam uh, Calvary uh, dot online slash for the children, you see our application. Sign up. Don't hesitate. Sign up. Let us know you're coming. We'll get a hold of you. Could you do it for one kid for one week? Could you use your anointing to set someone free? Maybe today in this room, you relate more to the kid. I don't know where you're at with Jesus. But maybe you're feeling, I'm captive, I'm bound by so many things. I need to be set free. Maybe Jesus needs to remove some blind spots in your life. Maybe life has just been hard. And you feel the oppression of it. I will tell you this. Jesus is not a life enhancer. Life's hard. He tells us it's going to be hard. But he says, take heart. I've overcome the world. He says, if, you're, if you put me first, I'll take care of you. He says, I can give you peace that passes all understanding. And he says, he's greater. He's greater. He that's within me is greater than he that is in the world. He's greater. Will it still be hard? It could be. But everything comes to pass. Paul said it this way. When you're right with God and your eyes are fixed on eternity, Paul said it this way, and if you know anything about Paul's story, about everything that he went through, through all the whippings and, and the shipwrecks and the nights he was hungry and cold, and Paul went through it. If you read Paul's life, you'll go, well, my life's pretty easy. But he said everything in this life is just light, momentary afflictions compared 
to the glory to come. And the only way you get to the glory to come depends on what you do with Jesus today. See, Jesus came, lived 33 years of a perfect life, no sin in him. And then he did something crazy. He put on himself the sins of the world and he went to the cross so that this great exchange could take place through his death, burial, and resurrection. This great exchange of, I'm going to take your punishment and I'm going to give you my perfect righteousness. So that when you stand before God, it's, it's as if you've never sinned, or let me say it this way, it's as if you've always lived right. And God doesn't see you, he sees his perfect son who now lives in you. That's how you get set free. That's how your eyes get opened. 